difficult when you come back on a Sunday to continue a topic that you know that many of the people uh, here on Sunday weren't necessarily there on Friday night, so it's difficult to know how much to repeat. I, I will just basically mention that uh, that, that I'm not a, a, a trained professional in this. I am a, I am a brother uh, of yours who has experienced uh, some difficulties in life, uh, early childhood uh, sexual abuse. Uh, I trace back now and, and would believe that I've had a, 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 an anxiety disorder that goes back all the way to my childhood. I do not remember a time in my, in my childhood even when I didn't have a deep inner turmoil uh, that I did not understand, that I, that I couldn't uh, uh, explain to anyone else, so I believe that's been with me, although it wasn't diagnosed till about five years ago. So five years ago, I was diagnosed with a severe anxiety disorder, and, and so I speak mostly from my own personal journey. Now, my own personal journey has also led me to, uh, to do a lot of reading, to, to do a lot of searching, and, and a lot of searching for myself, and and as I search for myself, God has also laid it on my heart to try and, and, and help others. To the extent that I've been helped, I want to reach out and help others with that as well. Uh, just before we get into the message, I just want to mention there's some literature in the back. There's a book there that, uh, uh, th that I recommend. It's written by a doctor. It's written by a doctor, a Christian doctor. Uh, and, and so he examines uh, the topic of, of, of mental health from a Christian perspective, which I, which I really appreciate, but also from a doctor's perspective. Uh, now, his take would be more heavily uh, medication first, f settle down the brain function, and then you deal with spiritual issues. Now, there's also someone that has been of, of, of great help to me, and, and also much of this presentation is based on on his book, Neil Anderson, Victory Over the Darkness. Uh, that's not quite the right title, I think. Maybe it is. Uh, Victory Over the Darkness? I think it is. But anyway, that's uh, his approach, at least traditionally, I think it's changing a little bit. His tra traditional approach was spiritual first, and then if that doesn't take care of the issues, then you go uh, to medication if necessary. Either way, uh, they both have very helpful input to give. And, and, and so, as with everything else, you have to also uh, come to a place in your own life where you believe before the Lord that you're on the right path and you're doing the right thing, and, and not everyone is going to agree with, with that, uh, and, and, and you won't find necessarily even uh, professionals that are all on the same page uh, on these things. There's a, there are another couple of books on the back there that is an unrelated topic, but I have a very deep passion that the church should be addressing topics of importance, even if they're difficult. One of, there's two books there that deal with sexuality. Uh, there's one that I, it's the best book I have ever read about a, a, a Christian perspective on, on sexuality, a global perspective on sexuality. It is, it's a wonderful book. I, I'd, I'd recommend it, especially to any elders, any leaders, uh, to, to form uh, a, a better view of, of the biblical presentation of sexuality and what it is meant to look like. And then there's another book there that's called False Intimacy, and it deals particularly with, with uh, sexual um, addiction. Not many years ago, I would have 
snickered even at that description, how can, you know, uh, that addiction, but, but it's, it is very real. I was, not too long ago, I was in a church, and 75% of the men admitted to having a sexual addiction to pornography, including all of the elders. It's a problem. It's, it's, a, it's a very real problem in many churches. And, and, and so I think a big problem is that we don't talk about it. We don't train our children in the church. We don't talk about it, and so we don't tell our children the, the right perspective. And so they get all of their information, they get all of their training from the world because as a church, we don't deal with it. And I think that's a big lack, and I think that needs to change uh, in many churches. Now, it's a good thing I don't know this church, so I don't know whether you're doing it or you're not doing it, so it's not a criticism on this church. It's a global uh, kind of a general thought that, that, that I have. There's a, <clears throat> there's a little pamphlet there that was actually uh, just the notebook that was given out at my first, uh, first seminar that I did on mental health. If it's helpful to you, take it. Uh, they're leftovers. Uh, what it does have in it, it does have a page of resources in it where there's a number of different books listed that you might find helpful. Uh, my first articles that I wrote uh, several years back when I first publicly started speaking about my struggle are, are in that little booklet as well uh, that were published on the Assembly Hub. Let's just uh, <clears throat> pray and then uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get right into the presentation. Father, this morning you know that I am overwhelmed in my heart and my spirit with the number of things that I would like to communicate. I pray right now that you would, uh, that you would put in my mind those things which are important, those things which you want to say. And I pray that you'd prepare all the hearts that are here, that they would be able to receive the things that you want to give to them today. So we just commit ourselves to the direction and the guidance of the Spirit of God now as we move forward in Jesus' name. Amen. On the way home Friday night, I had a sense that I should change what I had been thinking about presenting this morning. All the, since, since VG first contacted me, there was, a, there was a powerful thought in my mind that I just thought I was going to go with. And, and one of the things I found in my own life is how important it has been for me spiritually to, 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 to pursue humility and, and, and to understand in the many ways in which my pride, my deep inner pride damaged me and kept me from finding the help that I needed. And, and, and so I think that's, a, it's a, that's an incredible key that, that I really felt I wanted to talk about. But as I was driving home on Friday night, for some reason, this presentation kept coming back to me, kept coming back to me. So yesterday I reworked it a little bit, and, and, and so I want to present this. And, and what I really want you to, uh, uh, to get from it is, I believe that mental health in its, in its highest form is really a complete harmony of our whole person. The, whole, the harmony, spirit, soul, and body. That's what true mental health is, that, that harmony that is found between, between all of that, the whole person, who we are, and, and, and so how do we understand that? How do we pursue this? And this is uh, uh, 
1 Corinthians 2, 14 to 3, 4, we won't read it, but that's the passage many of you will be aware of where it presents uh, three different persons. It it's presents a spiritual person, the natural person, and the carnal person. So we just want to look a little bit at, at some of those and, and the differences of that and how that may impact, impact us in our spirit regarding spiritual health. So first of all, our spiritual makeup, and again, I... I, I get this from from Neil Anderson so this isn't all my own doing I've done some tweaking on this but this is uh, his presentation so just as a as a visual reminder that that we are a tripartite being we are, we have three parts in us well some people will say two an inner and an outer some people will put together spirit and soul uh, the bible talks about spirit soul and body so i, I I'm confident speaking about spirit, soul, and body. And, and even though I can't tell you exactly where one starts and the other one begins, I do believe that they are distinct and that they uh, all function somewhat differently. Now, part of that, now after the fall, there, there is this... Does this pointer work? I guess it doesn't. Um, if someone would uh, look in my computer case, just in my computer case, I have a little uh, remote in the, in the, it's in the back there in the computer case, there's a remote that has a laser pointer on it. I'm going to need a laser pointer. It's on the side pocket. Yeah. So the flesh, uh, the flesh, uh, when, when from in, in our fallen beings, the flesh really plays a large part. And it is really that's the chosen independence from God. Uh, chosen independence from God is how Neil Anderson would describe the flesh. Or the seed of sin within the person. Now, in his diagrams, he has it out on the, in the body, and that's where I used to have it, but I'm convinced now, really, that's part of the deep inner person, a part of the spirit, and the area of the spirit is really where that battle goes on between the flesh and the spirit. So the natural person, the natural person, as we see, it pre- see him presented, it, it, we are told in the Bible that the spirit is dead. The spirit is dead. When, when, when the fall happened, Man's spirit became dead to God. But dead does not mean end of an existence, but it means the severed relationship, the end of a relationship. Just like when we die, we don't cease to exist, but our relationship with this world comes to an end, right? The relationship with this body comes to an end. And, and so that's the same thing then when, when man died spiritually, his connection with the Spirit of God and his relationship with that free flow with the Spirit of God uh, came to an end. So Ephesians 2, 1 to 3 tell us, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. That's the natural man. 
In 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So there's an element of the natural man uh, that cannot understand and cannot deal with the things of the Spirit with the very deepest truths, which I believe are absolutely critical if we want to experience the fullness of what God has established for us. That harmony of spirit, soul, and body we needs to have the spiritual element to be experienced in its fullness. So the natural person, to a large extent, has their mind and their thinking influenced by the flesh. So it's the flesh that tells what to think. It indicates to you what your thoughts will be and, and what you will meditate on. And then what we think about, the things that we fill our mind with, will in, in influence our emotions. Emotions are not isolated. Emotions don't, aren't based on vacuum. Emotions are a reflection of something that is going on within your being. And very often they're connected to what you're thinking and how you're thinking. You may not even be aware of, of what you're thinking. Your subconscious thoughts will also influence your feelings. But your feelings are very much influenced by your emotions. And in the natural person, and this still functions, the soul functions this way in, 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 in all of us, but then your thinking and your thoughts and those things which you deliberate, you, you influence then the choices that you make. The will is influenced by them. And then what you find in a natural person, and not just the natural person, but you, you find the natural person is their emotions are also very much, can very much be influenced from the outside, outside forces. And, 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 and in all of us even, how the body feels, right? If you're sick, if you're sick, if your body's not functioning right, if you're, if, if you're not sleeping right, if you're overworked, like all of that will, will, will play into your moods, into your emotions, and you'll be influenced by that. And in the natural person, we'll all too often be making choices based on feelings. We'll be making choices and exercise their will based on how they are feeling. And, and, and so, because there is not that direction from the Spirit, that is what the natural man is like. But now what about the spiritual man, the spiritual person? And Romans 8, verse 9, talks to us about the fact that the relationship with God has been reestablished through rebirth. The Spirit of God moves into our spirit. And the Spirit of God is united with our spirit when we are born again. And so all of a sudden, there's a whole new reality that we can live by. Romans 8, verses 9 and 10, But you are not in the flesh, and this is speaking about identity, no longer in the flesh, that's not our identity, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. So we have the spirit of life, the true living spirit, 
within us as spiritual beings. Spiritually alive, no longer walking according to the flesh. Romans 8, 5 and 8 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So you see here, the mind is being changed, is being governed, is being directed differently. No longer the flesh that dictates what the thinking is, but it is the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So the spiritual person is being, the mind is being influenced by the spirit, by the spirit of God through our human spirit. And so now the thinking becomes the thinking of the spirit rather than the thinking of the flesh. God has revealed them to us, speaking of the things that have been revealed to us, through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, the things that have been freely given to us by God through the Spirit, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. There's a spiritual element, there's a spiritual component to our lives that unless it is illumined by the Spirit of God, unless it is given life by the Spirit of God, we cannot live fully in the harmony of our whole person that we've been created to enjoy. So again, we see that the mind here is, is governed by the spirit. So, so the, the mind begins to think those things which the spirit influences us to think. And then that thinking influences our emotions. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good an acceptable and perfect will of God. This verse to me speaks of our whole inner soul. That your mind, you're transformed by the mind that you may prove what is good. What is good, I think, is that which we can, we can rationally accept, we can rationally look at, and we can see with our mind, and we can say, that is good, but acceptable acceptable is that not only is it good, I like it. It's, it's, my emotions are, are engaged. It's not just a rational exercise, but my emotions get involved and I say, you know what, that is acceptable, that is pleasant, that is something that I, that, that, that I want. And then it's perfect, it's perfect. And so we say, 
why would I choose anything else? So our will gets engaged, and, and we make the choice, and we say, I, I want to choose that. I can understand with my mind that it's good. I can embrace it with my, with my heart, with my emotions, and then I follow through by accepting it and walking in that. And so that is the transformation of our minds. And as we do that, Romans 8, verse 8, tells us that we are then saying no to the flesh. We need to engage in saying no to the flesh. It is no longer our identity. It's no longer our identity. It's not removed. That tendency is still there within us. We have that within us. The flesh is still there. It is still telling us things. It's still influencing us. But we have the ability to say no to it. We have the ability to say no to it because we are no longer, that's no longer our identity. So then the emotions are, uh, are governed by the mind to a large extent, but you see this one, I believe that the spiritual person, the arrow between the emotions and the will is not there. There's no arrow here. And I'm not saying because emotions aren't part of our choices, they are, and, and we can't divide our soul into these three distinct pie shapes. It's one entity and it all works together. Our, our mind and our emotions and our will are, are, are so interconnected, we can't decide that. But the important thing that we want to bring out here is that, that our will should not be governed primarily by feelings. But if we are thinking the right thoughts, our feelings will be right and the thoughts and the feelings will lead to right choices. Together, it's not like that, that, that as Christians, as spiritual people, we're called to make all these difficult choices that we really don't like, that, 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 that don't engage us, that we can't get passionate about. We just got to do them because they're the right thing to do, and we just face them with our mind. No, God wants our hearts. He wants our passions. He wants our emotions to get involved, and he wants us to love the choices that we make. Now, sometimes it follows afterwards, it's not, but that shouldn't be the guiding. That's not the driving force. The driving force needs to come from the Spirit of God transforming our mind into the thoughts that He wants us to think, and that will change our emotions. Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Just want to go back for a minute to this. So then your soul, what your soul processes, has to be expressed through the body. Has to be expressed through the body. It's the only instrument of expression that we have really, is through our body. Much of it is dependent on the function of our brain. If our brain functions properly, we can express those things properly. If, if our brain doesn't function properly, many of those inner things will not be able to ex be expressed in, 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 in a healthy, profitable way. But it says here that we are to present our bodies God cares about our body. 
And you know what? God doesn't ask us to present a body that we wish we had. He asks us to present our bodies exactly the way they are. If part of our body is a poorly functioning brain, if part of our body is that we have all these tendencies to, 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 uh, to depression, to worry, to all that, and, and that, that, that there's something not functioning right in our bodies and it leads to that and, and that pressure is on our lives, God just wants us to present that to him. Present your body the way it is. You know, in the Old Testament, imperfect sacrifices were not accepted, were they? In the New Testament, that's the only sacrifice that's accepted. God doesn't ask us to present ourselves to Him perfect. He knows nobody could sacrifice themselves if they had to be perfect before they sacrificed. He, he expects us to sacrifice ourselves as broken as we are. And He wants us to present ourselves to Him. He realizes that we can't first fix ourselves. We first can't first get it together before we give ourselves to Him. We present ourselves to Him exactly the way we are, and He wants us the way we are. Because He says, I can make the changes. I can make the changes. I'm not saying by that that He'll take away all the physical struggles that we have. I, I, I think largely he doesn't. Often he doesn't. But what he does do is he embraces us. And he accepts us. And he will, he will, his spirit will communicate with your spirit that you are loved. His spirit will communicate with your spirit that you are accepted. His spirit will communicate with your spirit that, that you are his and you are his forever. And his spirit will communicate with your spirit that he loves you in spite of the fact that sometimes you can't put together how the difficulties of your life f match with the love of God for you. Sometimes there are times when we, we can't put that together. In our limited thinking, it doesn't look right. It doesn't look like love. It doesn't look like God's care. But in spite of that, if we sacrifice ourselves to Him and yield ourselves to Him and give ourselves to Him fully, He will fill our hearts with a peace that tells us, I love you. You're mine. I'm not accepting you based on what you can do for me. I'm not accepting you based on what you can give to me. I am accepting you so that I can give myself to you. And so we need to present our bodies and, 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 and we need to present our bodies to Him the way they are. Broken as we are. Weak as we are. Struggling as we are. Humble ourselves because there's something within us that we always want to think that I can give something good to God. I can, I can contribute something to this. I can, I can, sure, sure I'm dependent on grace, but there's surely something that I can give him of value that's, that's, that's mine. That, and, and we want to think that I'll get myself together, I'll put things right, and then, then I'll give myself to God. No, it doesn't really work that way, does it? We give ourselves first.
exactly the way we are. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body <coughs> and in your spirit, which are God's. How many of you are familiar with the author Lisa Turkhurst? Yeah, some of you. And she, uh, I I just read one of the books recently, was it, uh, it's not the way it was supposed to be or something like that, the title, talking about, you know, and and, and, uh, one of the expressions that she used really stuck with me. She says, we're between two gardens. Between two gardens. The, The Garden of Eden was perfect, right? Man was perfect, perfect harmony, perfect relationships, perfect everything. And then we have the promise of a new heaven and a new earth and a new perfection and a new garden of God that we will enjoy and that we will live in. But here we have the past and we have the future. But we're in the now. We're in the now. And so because we're in the now, I think this picture probably, I, I know it more accurately portrays me and perhaps you as well. Because we have not yet been fully delivered from sin, have we? we we've not been delivered from sin in the sense of, of its presence and, and, and of, its, uh, uh, of the effects that it's had because we do know that all that is not pleasing to God comes as a result of sin. All illness is a result of sin. All misfunction in our bodies, in our souls, and in our spirit are results of sin. Our breakdowns that have been caused by sin, and and, and we live in that reality right now. To a large extent, we live in that reality. And that's what this picture speaks about. We are no longer in the flesh, but too often still walking according to the flesh. Although, Our new identity as believers, our identity is in Christ. We are in Christ. We have the Spirit of God living within us. That that living spirit, that connection, that spiritual connection with God has been restored. But we also have the flesh which continues to, uh, to influence us. And we can listen to it. And we can follow that voice just like we can follow the voice of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says to the to the. Believers, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal. Verse 3, you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men, like natural men? For when one of you says, I'm of Paul, and another, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? What he's basically saying to them is, is you, you, you are born again, You have the life of the Spirit within you, but you're acting just as though you didn't. You're acting like mere men. You're acting like natural men. You're acting as though the Spirit of God did not live within you, was not directing you, was not guiding you, and so you're living no different than anyone else. So we see here they're double-minded. I I understand double-minded this way that you are receiving input both from the flesh and from the spirit at the same time. And they are not agreed. 
the flesh and the spirit will never agree. Sometimes they might seem to agree, but the, but the results are very different. They're looking for very different results in your life. And so if, if you are listening to your flesh and you're listening to your spirit, you're going to be of a divided mind, a double mind, and you're going to be thinking opposing thoughts at the same time. And that will bring great tension into your life. James 1, 5, verse 8 talks about this. Says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him who asks, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Much of the instability in my life, I have to confess, comes from listening to two opposing voices. To being influenced, yes, influenced by God through the reading of his word, through meeting with his people, influenced in my thinking through, through, through those things, but also following my own desires, the things that I want to pursue, the things that, it's, there's, there's times, if we're honest with ourselves and with God, there's sometimes we don't really want his way. I, I, I really want my way. And, 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 and when that happens, and we shut off hearing from the Spirit, then we're gonna be clearly hearing from the flesh. And with that, with, with, with those two voices speaking clearly into our life, what happens, our thinking gets muddled up, and then our emotions get all muddled up, and we get all over the place in our feelings because we're, we're entertaining this thought, and we're entertaining this thought, and they're in opposition to each other, so then what will happen with our feelings? Our feelings will be in opposition to each other too. We'll, we'll feel this, and then we'll feel this, and then we'll feel a mixture, and we won't know what we're feeling at some point, and we get all overwhelmed and overloaded, even in our feelings, because we are not listening to one voice, we're listening to two. And then what happens is we are again like the natural person, the person that doesn't even have their spirit renewed. We begin to listen too much to our feelings and we say, uh, and, and one of the feelings I'm hearing a lot in the church is that I don't really feel like going anymore. I don't get anything out of it. I'm going to stop. Otherwise, I'm a hypocrite. Because if I'm there and I don't feel like being there, then I'm a hypocrite. What are they basing that decision on? It's an emotional it's feeling-based, right? I feel, but you know, you're only a hypocrite if you're telling everyone everything's wonderful, everything's good, and it's not true. But you know, you can express love for the Lord sometimes by doing things you really don't feel like you're, you should do. But you know that love is also a commitment. And you say, and you can say, yeah, last thing I felt like doing today is this, that I really believe the Lord wants me to do it and I'm gonna do it out of love, I'm gonna do it for him. And, and, and that's not hypocrisy. You may not be feeling like it, 
But if you try and portray to everyone that you never struggle and you feel like doing all the right things all the time and everyone gets this picture of you and you're, you're engaged in trying to present this picture of yourself, which is not true, then perhaps you're veering into hypocrisy. But if you're open, you're honest, but you still allow yourself to be motivated by those things. You still discern. You say, you know what? I think what I'm feeling right now is, is coming from thoughts that are coming to me from the flesh. They're not coming to me from God. They're not coming from me through the Spirit. And, and so I'm going to choose to follow that which comes from the Spirit of God. So the carnal person ends up being double-minded, grieving or quenching the Spirit while following the flesh. Basically putting... Uh, Putting a block here, a barrier, so that the Spirit cannot speak to me. So how does this then show itself through, through our body, through our, through our behavior, through the things that we end up practicing? The proof of this carnality comes is, is through things like envy. In the passage there in, in 1 Corinthians, it talks about there's envy, there's strife, there's divisions. And they end up acting just like any other man without experiencing the power of the Spirit of God within them. And everything is man-focused. Everything becomes man-focused. And, and so that carnality, that, that double-mindedness is very deep-rooted. So, how do we move from the carnal to the spiritual? from carnal to the spiritual. And, and, and my experience is that this is an ongoing struggle. This isn't one day. This isn't uh, like this one day here that you met here and you're going to step from carnality to spirituality and, and you will stay there and, and, and never struggle with this again. This is an ongoing challenge, right? This is a daily challenge. This is part of what being renewed in our mind is, is all about. So we really need to be receiving spiritual truth from God's Spirit that transforms our mind and then the emotions and then our will and together we function and we act accordingly. So carnal thinking has to be rejected. Carnal thinking comes naturally. Carnal thinking comes naturally. And if we don't intentionally choose what we're going to think about, we will be thinking carnally, automatically. That's, that's, just a, that's our default setting. As fallen beings, that's our default setting. That, that, that'll come through with, without intentionality. So we need to consider the flesh. It says that we are to put to death the flesh. It says that we are to put off certain things. And so that's what the flesh, we, we need to put that barrier there. We need to say, I will not allow the flesh to influence my thinking, but I will listen to the Spirit, listen to the Spirit of God. It means, to a large extent, taking away this arrow from the emotions to the will where I say, I will not allow, I will not make choices based on emotions alone. But I will go back and ask the Spirit of God to show me what is the right thinking. 
so that from that right thinking, I can allow my emotions to be influenced by that right thinking. And then I will make that decision based on what the Spirit reveals to me. And as we live like that, then our choices begin to be expressed through godly behavior. Godly behavior, because right thinking, allowing our emotions to follow along with that, and our choices to follow with that, we will begin to live more and more like Christ. So the big difference, I think, between the carnal and the spiritual is what voice are we listening to? What voice are we listening to? I know that a presentation like this can, 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 can carry the danger of, 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 of uh, ignoring, perhaps, the reality that, that you feel is real in your life. The deep struggle of, of, of emotional damage, uh, the pain of, of, of mental health issues. That was largely the part we talked about on Friday. And it's very much a part of this picture. See, the difference isn't, uh, there was years I would, pro I would have rejected this and said, well, that's not me because I struggle. This is my struggle. That's not portrayed in there. That, you know, that's not factored into this. The exact personal application of these truths does change somewhat based on your reality, the things that you struggle with. That, that tends to become the area that you, that you deal with in, 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 a, in a much deeper way. And the spiritual part isn't everything, but it's a big part. Of, of, of true mental health, of that fullness of that harmony that God created us to enjoy. Because I think that's, in, that's my idea of, of true mental health, is, is living in the harmony that God created us for. He created us perfect. He created us with that perfect harmony between spirit, soul, and body. And so the spiritual aspect is something we know we can work on. And, and I can assure you, whatever you are struggling with in your life, working on your relationship with the Lord, working on your ability to hear the Spirit of God speak to you, listening to Him and, 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 and processing that is going to greatly benefit you. Whether you're struggling with, with a mental health issue or not, it'll benefit you. It, it'll help you. It, it, it will make your life richer and deeper because you'll be more close to what God created you to be. And so one of the reasons I chose this presentation is because it really applies to all of us. It's, it's not dependent on whether you, you struggle with uh, mental health issues or not. This is something we all need to learn, right? We all need to grow in. And uh, we need to be followers of the Spirit in our daily walk, not followers of the flesh. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that, uh, that each of us here this morning uh, would have had a little passion stirred within us to be more like you, to listen more carefully to you, uh, to recognize your voice a little bit more clearly,
that we would not be content uh, to, to stay as uh, those that are influenced so strongly by the flesh, but that we would uh, learn to say yes to the Spirit, that we'd learn to say yes to your thinking, that we would allow you to uh, guide us and lead us through life through right thinking, healthy thinking. And then, Lord, I pray for specific help for each one that needs to know how do they apply this in their own circumstances. And I just pray, Lord, that you would give guidance and, and wisdom in that as well, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.